0: Citizen forty four. You are listening to Citizen
1: forty four with Mark Ahrensberg live from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam.
0: Hey, everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 94. My guest today is Connor Smith. I met Connor several years ago at the Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory in downtown Ashland. His family owns and operates this fine establishment, and I was fortunate enough to meet him while living just upstairs right there on the corner of Pioneer and Main Street. I used to go down occasionally and uh, grab some chocolate or some gummy worms. They had a nice variety of vegan options that I was super grateful for. Over the span of a couple of years, Connor and I established a very nice rapport. When he turned 18, he dropped out of high school and decided to finish high school on his own. His parents were very supportive of him doing so. And his goal was to go to Thailand and meet up with his girlfriend he'd met in an exchange program in Ashland several years previously. Anyway, I'm so happy to present Connor to you. Wisdom comes in all shapes and sizes. The messenger can never be identified as anything specific or anyone specific, and Connor just happens to be one of these super bright young people who decided to take what was given to him and do his own thing. Very brave for him to leave at 18, go to a place he's never been across the globe and seek out himself and find new ways of living, exploring and having an adventure. Something that took me till I was 55 years old to do. So somewhere in there, both of us having passion for life and wanting better lives for ourselves seem to have brought us together. He is still in Thailand three years later. He's teaching and seeking out his true self. And I was fortunate enough to get him on the phone recently and talk about some of his new discoveries and how he has made certain choices, leveraged some information that he came upon and changed his whole outlook on life. So I'm really grateful to know Connor. I'm honored to know Connor. And I'm so happy that we had this conversation and he was able to share some really pertinent information from his perspective based on digging deep into certain aspects of life that we don't typically make an effort to do in our lives. And I think, although he's a young person, he's 21 now and has limited life experience based on years. He has certainly taken the opportunity to look for information that increases the quality of his life and to share what he has discovered and how maybe some of this information can help us along the way. Also on the show with me is John Sabo. John has been on the show before, originally from Canada. He's been in Southeast Asia for several years. He's a podcaster and a storyteller and just a really wonderful person that I've had the good fortune to connect with here in Saigon, Vietnam. We are going to talk a little bit about the current situation here in Vietnam as it relates to COVID and how that has affected his life and the lives of those around him. Here we go. What's going on over there in Thailand? Uh lockdown. <laughs> what are the conditions of your lockdown?
2: Mm, we can't go to parks or eat in restaurants or anything like that, and a lot of people can't go to work.
0: But you can leave your apartment. Yeah, yeah. yeah we can't do any of that. We're locked down. Oh. We're only allowed to leave twice a week to get food. Twice a week? That's it.
2: Jeez.
0: It's a pretty serious lockdown. That initiative started yesterday. We were already in lockdown and could leave only for food and medicine. But as of yesterday, we can only leave twice a week. Wow. Are you still teaching, though?
2: Yeah. uh, We're teaching online. We have classes every week. I teach 45 minutes each class, but it's kind of hard because they're kindergartners.
0: (laughs) Do they have any attention span? Seems ridiculous for a kindergartner. Yeah,
2: most of them are either playing or they're like multitasking because they're with their parents who aren't working, so some kids have the lesson and they're sitting in the car and other kids are at their home coloring or something while listening. So I just talk.
0: (laughs) How is it for you, though? I'm okay.
2: I'm satisfied with what is going on right now and I mean it would be better if the students were here but I don't think that's going to happen because we've already decided to close the school for the rest of the semester.
0: How many hours a day are you committed to teach? Uh, just two hours a day. What are you doing with all this additional time you have?
2: Planning curriculum. They give us random filler work to do. Yeah, that's kind of pointless. I guess it's just to make them feel like we're actually doing something. But at least we get Mondays off now. So,
0: How many hours a day do you spend time doing something related to your job then? It
2: depends on the day. There's maybe one day of the week sometimes that I don't have very much to do. So I've been studying a lot about Hinduism and bunch of esoteric belief systems, just learning a lot, learning a lot about the world, learning a lot about the universe, and trying to use that knowledge in a creative way.
0: Ah, I want to know how you're using that knowledge
2: in a creative way. Well, a lot of it might sound strange because my mind works in this very abstract sort of way where... I imagine a lot of things visually that don't make a lot of sense, but they make sense to me. So when translating that to other people, I've found that a lot of people don't understand. Give me an example. Um, Well, I see things in a lot more of a pattern now, and I'm understanding that there's rules to everything. I feel like I'm placed here to create and create in as many ways as I choose to do. And I see this sort of creation in how the universe works at the top, highest level possible to the most microscopic level. I see the connections now with the way that things are and its relationship to mathematics, and everything just starts to make a little bit more sense as to how I am supposed to be operating as a human being naturally. And I figured out that I'm a macrocosm, like a miniature universe. The universe is constantly creating, and we as human beings are constantly creating. Even when we don't realize it, every movement Every word that comes out of our mouth is some sort of creation. So thinking back on all of those times, missed opportunities in my life where I could have been doing exactly what I wanted to without fearing the judgment of others, by having too many rules on myself to please everybody else's expectations of who I am. So. Now I'm trying to use the information I know to somehow artistically create. And I'm trying to discover different ways to create. So I'm kind of interested in learning about photography right now, trying to see all the different things I can photograph in the world. I'm also super interested in understanding, like, how the solar system works and planets, looking at the stars through the telescope. I'm so fascinated with stonework, how people can carve statues. So I'm interested in all of these things, waiting for the right time to like give it a try and see if that's something I wanna keep doing. Previously, I was very closed in my mindset, very narrow-minded, and always thought inside of the box because I felt like that's what I had to do. And now it's different because I've experienced so much more that my mind has expanded and it's much easier to just be myself. I'm not afraid anymore. I have absolutely no stress in my life now. I could care less about what is going on that would negatively impact me. I'm not resisting it anymore. I've surrendered to life. Wow. Yeah.
0: Are you 20 or 21 now?
2: 21.
0: You're 21, and you have figured out what most people never figure
2: out. Simultaneously, this turning inward has also brought compassion and more love for everybody outwards. I feel totally loving to everybody. Like, total empathy, but also... Not letting anything get to me. Nothing negative can impact me anymore.
0: Not even your girlfriend, not even getting in little snippets here and there?
2: No, no. And in fact, all of this has rubbed off on her. She is conscious and aware now. She's living in the present. She's more aware of what she's doing. She's more aware of people's actions and what people may be going through. And she's more aware of herself.
0: Again, at 21... To come to this realization as part of your journey in life is so profoundly important. And I keep using the word profound because it is, because it's rare. It doesn't need to be rare for our species to seek information that frees us from our self-imposed suffering. But most people are so caught up in the day-to-day, the mass influx of information and competition and desperate need for self-identification and part of this journey that you've been on is you had to leave a place of familiarity and comfort to get out of your comfort zone how long have you been in thailand three years
2: three years now
0: yeah i remember the day that we were sitting in the office on the couch like it was yesterday it's so fantastic that you were 18 on the verge of finishing high school without actually being there and setting your sights on something that most individuals your age never at any age come to that conclusion of needing something different, looking for something different. I mean, it took me 55 years to leave, to start looking elsewhere for peace and tranquility, a different way of life, different experiences, a new adventure, if you will. I'm so happy for you, Not only have you exposed yourself to an entirely different culture, luckily have a girlfriend who could bridge some of that gap for you, but overall having the boldness and the bravado to just decide something and have your family support too, which is pretty amazing in itself.
2: It's gradual, it's not perfect, but it's definitely several steps up. It was like nothing I, I could have ever imagined. Like I walked into a brick wall
0: (laughs) You hit the wall and there's no place else to go but up. Right. One of
2: the videos I watched, one of the videos I thought was quite profound was Samadhi. It's, It's narrated with pictures. It's just sit down, get comfortable and listen and see if it can take you anywhere. See if your mind can run off with one of these thoughts that is brought up. And I've watched that video probably... 13 or 14 times, man, over the last year, and it has completely opened my mind. It planted the seed to actually explore. There's also another series that the guy makes, which is also very amazing, which helped me see the patterns in life and sort of connect everything to the bigger picture.
0: Once your eyes are open, they can never be closed again. You can't unknow what you know and you know that you can keep on knowing and know more, it's up to you to decide how much that you want to know, how much you want to do. You can still do nothing and still be happy. You don't have to do anything and you can be happy. I slept a lot today and I was happy to do nothing today and I feel great. And I don't feel like I'm compelled to need to do anything. I choose to do things. And even in challenging times, I'm still happy. You cannot take happiness from me anymore. It is my right, and it is something only I can take from myself. Nobody else has the power over my happiness, and I think that's another misnomer. People give their power away by saying, somebody did something to me. You hurt my feelings. Nobody can hurt your feelings. You have to allow your feelings to be hurt. These are understandings that are fundamental to the necessity of every human being being able to be successful in their life. And because we are not fundamentally reminded of these inalienable rights and this freedom that we already have is why we fight and argue and cannot be happy alone. So it's a miracle that you, for whatever reason, sought this information out. And I want to know more about where you're finding it so other people can find it because this is not a fantasy. If you seek ways to improve the condition of your life, you'll find it. But you have to be willing to go looking for you. This is the real journey of life. Not looking for things outside of you. Looking for things inside of you. I'm so sad for the world that they don't know that this can happen for them relatively easily once they surrender to the fact that this is what it is. And you just have to do this personal journey.
2: Right. Yeah. I realize all of this and been trying to help my coworkers because we're all kind of cooped up together, you know, so we're almost living with each other. I spend 10 hours a day at work and I spend the rest of the time here at home and I'm nowhere else because currently we can't go anywhere. I think we all have influence on each other. I've seen a gradual reduction in the stress of everybody, the stress of the uncertain, these imaginative fears we keep making. We're so afraid of COVID, so paranoid. We're tuning into all of this information that is not helping us at all. It's not helping our mental health. That's not helping our sanity. So it's really sad to see It's really hard to get people to hear you when you want to tell them to stop fearing and stop resisting life because they've built up this tower and they don't want it to come crumbling down. But eventually, when you hit 40 or something, you'll have a midlife crisis. It'll all come tumbling down and you'll either try to rebuild that whole thing, which is what it seems most people do, or you try to change your entire life to prevent that from happening again.
0: Fear is a choice. People don't know that it's a choice. What other resources have you found yourself engaged with that have helped unlock the stifling box that you were previously in?
2: Well, after I started meditating last year, I just started doing it just because I wanted to try it. I started reading up a little bit about it because I had a weird experience that I've only shared with probably two people. I was laying down. I was asleep, sort of, and I woke up, went back to sleep, but I felt like my whole body was pulsing with electricity vibrating I don't know how to explain it it was like I was asleep but I was not asleep at the same time like in a lucid state sort of like REM sleep I think and then I came to like this point where I felt like I was floating and I opened my eyes but I was looking down at myself on my bed And it scared me and immediately i felt a sensation of falling and slamming down and hitting the bed when i woke up i was terrified and i had felt like that was the most real thing i had ever experienced even more real than life it's so indescribable it was the feeling of it was so real and It reminded me of times when I was younger, I would have that same sensation where I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up and I felt like I was falling and then I would hit the bed and I'd wake up. So after that, I was trying to figure out what happened, trying to see on the internet, if anybody had any experiences. Eventually it led me to A study of things that are considered, I guess, occult or esoteric, but also within religion. And all of this stuff that I was experiencing was stuff that was written down 3,000 years ago. 2,500 BC, when, when the Upanishads and the Vedas were written, the Hindu scriptures, this was described. So it hit me that when I had started reading about other people that had these experiences, they were saying, yeah, like, read this, read this, read this. These are all things that were experienced by people back then who were more connected with themselves because they didn't have the distractions of all of the modern things we have. It was much, much less back then. People were more interested in what was happening in the skies. People were more interested in naming things giving things archetypes giving things characteristics making gods out of those things i had read about tibetan buddhists and yogis and even christian monks all of this started to connect and it made the whole set of religions that we have in the world i did such a deep dive into history tracing back looking through actual historical evidence scientific evidence archaeological evidence. Soaking up as much information as I can to get down to the source of why I feel this way and why my parents don't feel this way. Because they are very good Christians, I think, but they don't have an inner peace and it makes them good Christians in the sense of the West, what we consider like a conservative Christian. Conservative Christians, good Christians, they must be obedient to the Old Testament. We need to be hateful against gays, closed-minded about things that we don't understand, all because we want to continue immersing ourselves in only one section of the world, and one section of world history. And they get so far deep into it And new theories about those things within that scope get so refined and corrupted because of power to a point where the original meaning was completely lost or only part of it is remaining. So I found a huge connection in the Bible, the seven fruits of the spirit, seven virtues that people have or should have. You should have compassion You should have wisdom. A good Christian shows all of these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And with having all of those, you are then living the Christian life. But for some reason, even though that text is still in the Bible, because of what they had done in the 1500s, And even in the 1200s, back in the different church councils between Catholics and Christians and the Orthodox people and then other groups of people that wanted to keep power for themselves, they rewrote texts. So a lot of the original meaning is lost. Even those words are still in the Bible today. For some reason, I don't understand why they weren't looking at those as being so important. Because that's what makes a Christian a Christian. A Christian is not somebody who is tolerant. A Christian is somebody who is loving. There's a difference between tolerating something and not tolerating something. Both of them, I believe, are wrong. I think that the middle point between both of those is what love should be. You should eliminate the duality of things to get to the fruits of the spirit that's what the Bible is telling us the way that my family and all of the churches I went to looked at it never looked at it that way there's so much in the Bible that if you would just see it from a psychological view a spiritual view because it's so real look at it and compare it to what other people experience back in different parts of the world even in China ancient China so much of its meaning has been lost because the Chinese government has controlled all of it. A lot of that has disappeared. And there's only small groups of people that live in almost tribes, monasteries, that are preserving that information. And those things are being lost day by day. So the more that people wait to receive this information or read this information, it just keeps getting deleted. The connection with the Bible's seven virtues and fruits of the spirit are the same thing as the seven chakras, the seven main chakras in the Hindu system. And there's so much misinformation that people just don't understand because they think that the religion is just what the symbolism is on the outside, and think it's like these actual personifications of God but all of this is speech that is used to describe something that is so hard to describe but there are things that are so true that are so interconnected that if we just looked at science people say they don't believe anything but science but if they really looked at science they would see the connection between all of this none of these are things to be taken literally none of these stories are to be taken literally these are all Archetypes. These are all characteristics that exist in the universe that are played out in different ways in the universe for us to learn from. And so much of that meaning has been brought into our modern-day thinking that's not really even thinking. It's just obeying other people who don't even know themselves. Most of us are just listening to other people who don't even know who they are, even sat down to think about what they are doing. And they're giving other people orders because they're just idly going by through life, ignoring everything, maybe worrying too much, paying too much attention to everything and overthinking. And it's just ruined so many people. So with all of this, I moved into understanding all of Hinduism pretty much read a lot of their texts, their scriptures, dug even deeper into things that were earlier than that. We have archaeological evidence of. And it's so difficult now seeing that I can't really say anything because I've come to a point where I've decided not to say anything because I don't want to place negativity on somebody else's conscience. It seems that there's a point where the understanding is too far out, and there's not enough time for them to ponder the subject and grasp it, because throughout their life, they've spent 50, almost 60 years immersed in the same cycles. A lot of this is deeper than religion, not only understanding religion, but also understanding why people fear the ideas of negativity. Why are people so afraid of things that are dark? Why are people so afraid of things that actually exist in reality? Why are we shunning death when it is part of reality and doesn't affect us necessarily directly, except with how we will die? We're so worried about other people dying, not that we shouldn't be, but I think people are worrying for the wrong reasons. People are so latching They latch onto things that they imagine. They don't realize the pattern. I got an F in mathematics, and I never passed geometry. And it was just probably as simple as me not having an open mind at that point. I mean, of course, I was a teenager. I was still growing. I was going through all of these things. And I thought that life, everything that was happening to me, was so important. And I needed to build a defense against it, just like everybody else. But now, I love mathematics. (laughs) It's literally the language that holds up the universe, and you can see it in everything that even isn't necessarily related to mathematics. Everything starts from one point. If we trace back the Big Bang because of the expanding of the universe, it all goes back to one point. And I think that's true. If you imagine like a cell, or bacteria, it splits to reproduce, then it splits more and splits more and splits more. In geometry, we go from a figure like a circle, which is one, immediately to a triangle for basic polygons, basic shapes. There's no two-sided basic shape. You could say it's the heart, but then the heart wouldn't be considered a normal shape. So that got me thinking about the duality of things in the scriptures, people always say duality doesn't exist because all is one, all is reality. That's why one immediately jumps to three. And I saw three in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Hinduism has the same exact thing, Brahma, Shiva, Vishnu. And they have so many more. They have Shakti, Shiva, Lakshmi, so many, so many. and. All of these trinities are not actual things that are different gods. They're actual aspects of the real universe. We see it in the number three. Everything in the trinity is balanced. God the Father has a purpose. God the Son has a purpose. God the Holy Spirit has a purpose. But all of them are one, and that's the idea in Christianity. All of them are God. So they're not separate, but they're also not all the same thing but they are the same thing. And so it's this circle that makes people confused because it's this thing that you can't really latch on to. And that's the whole point. Because we can't really latch on to the understanding of God. We just have to experience God. God is creation. Creation comes from within. Creation is the essence. It's everything. Everything is constantly being created. The universe is constantly expanding cells and bacterias and movement everything is constantly moving and creating something new at the same time destruction also happens to keep a balance within all of that but at the same time there's something that preserves all of that and keeps that alive and keeps that growing the thing that people are striving for in life they want to know wisdom they want to be at peace it's the striving for something we see it everywhere protons, neutrons, electrons all of them need to be there to keep balance but they're all an atom so the number three is everywhere it's the thing that keeps everything in balance so their logic and reasoning for people's soul for example things that we can't see if the number three exists everywhere you have to have the physical body you have to have the mental body and then you have to have the soul the energy what makes a human human we experience all of this but who is the one actually experiencing? Who is the one using the five senses to experience? So that's what all of this sort of boils down to. I know I'm sort of talking here and there and everything, but it's so abstract and so hard to just grasp without mentioning all of these other things that are all aspects of it. So because I've seen all of these things and all of these patterns, and the more I discover these patterns, the more my life changes for the better. I feel like I gain more wisdom, I feel like I know more about life, I feel like everything makes sense. Everybody's scared of death, oh no, I'm going to die and that's it. But that's not the truth, because everything changes. Creation is also the death of something, death is also the creation of something. So we think that we are going to die, no, the physical body is going to die. Where will we be? We are not the physical body. And I've realized that and come to that realization that that is what happened to me. And I was able to reproduce that same exact thing. And it was by accident. So the same experience where I felt like I came out of my body happened again. And the more it happens, the more my life changes. I can't do it by myself. I can't do it manually. I'm trying to figure out a way to reproduce it so that I can experience more but something is happening. And it's very, very profound. And it makes you realize that there's more than just what we are perceiving.
0: We have not nourished the soul. We have not fed each other in a way that allows us to discover who we are. It's been this two-dimensional pedestrian experience, very low level, very contrived not mindful, not thoughtful, not reasonable, not helpful, and the world is suffering very much because of that, and it has forced you to leave the perceived comforts of your life to go out and find something on your own. Tell me about some of these books that you've exposed yourself to that have enabled you, as it were, to find more of you.
2: I have probably a couple hundred books that I've read in the last year. If you are more scientific in your approach to learning, you might be interested in Robert Monroe. Robert Monroe was a radio engineer in his working life, and he had the same experience that I did. And he did scientific experiments, seriously. He worked with the CIA back in the 70s and 80s. They did all kinds of experiments with this kind of stuff, and they found a lot of profound proof that this is something that is real and There's something going on that we just don't have the instrumentation to really look at because it's something like energy. We can't see energy. We can only see the manifestation physically of energy. So we have all of this energy, this electricity running through our body. We don't know exactly what it's doing. And we don't know exactly how it works. We don't even know exactly how the brain works. He goes into all of this in his book. He wrote three books about what is called the out-of-body experience. And they ended up doing seminars, and they got scientific instrumentation to be able to do experiments on people, like testing with sound, seeing if they could get people into relaxed states, like extremely relaxed states, but still be awake and see if that made them lucid enough to be able to experience these things. And it turns out that they did. So it all incorporates the five senses. It's all about learning to relax the five senses. And this is where it comes down into the number three, the balance in the universe, is there's three states. It's not just dual, it's not just awake and asleep. There's a mixed state in between awake and asleep. That is the third thing that keeps all of them in balance and that's meditation, that's actual relaxation. So if people would take the opportunity to cultivate that, I think that their life would be more in balance because they'd have that third thing and their life was improved. These books are called Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Munro. There's sort of a diary account of all of the things that he claims to have experienced, plus all of the tests that had happened with people and that he was conducting within his labs.
0: You've gone in the deep, deep dive.
2: Right. Seriously, I think that people have been trained, you know, their whole lives to continue going. They don't confront their own feelings, honestly. They never confront all of those nasty things that they fear. And Especially when you're in lockdown and you're only with yourself, I think that could make you go crazy if you keep resisting all of that. It's as simple as being Happy with who you are, as peaceful as you can be with yourself. Confronting everything, accepting everything, allowing change to happen, and gaining more wisdom.
0: Love you, man. Love you too, man. See you later.
1: John. Hi, Mark. How's it going? Well, you know, it's it's going. I'm controlling the things that I have control over right now, which is just me and my attitude.
0: (laughs) You've said literally everything there is to say. You can control you. And uh, I don't think most people even understand the simplicity of that concept. And by learning how to control you, you literally do end up controlling everything.
1: Well, you do because your whole attitude, your aura, your vibe is going to be reflected out and that's what you're going to attract. So if you're creating kind of a negative narrative, you know, whether it's about being locked up and being frustrated because you can't have this that you're normally used to, then you're going to create this sort of negative energy and you're just going to attract more of that. I've learned a lot since moving to Asia and in different cities in Vietnam, that bad stuff will bounce back at you pretty quickly. So in order to get through these types of situations, which let's be honest, are becoming more challenging every day, it really helps to just have that attitude of, okay, I can control how I react to the day. I can control the attitude I have. I can find a positive outlook or a positive outcome of this. And that's all you can really do anytime.
0: You left Saigon a couple of months ago to Seek out new adventures. You moved to Da Nang and you were good there for a minute, and then the pandemic struck there and pretty much shut that down. And you were able to still do your podcast, but obviously sharing the challenges that this new era of pandemic was thrusting upon the people of Vietnam because. We had it easy since the beginning for the most part. I mean, I got here the beginning of last year and we had a little time of challenge, but overall... We've been maybe the easiest place to be through this whole pandemic.
1: Yeah, I'm in the Trong right now, but I'm looking at this card from the first hotel I stayed in. I'd been in Cambodia for a couple of months, and then I came back to Saigon, Ho Chi Minh, early February 2020. And I bounced around a couple of different hotels trying to find my way to where I was going to try to be a little more permanent. And this was one of the hotels that I stayed at, Khan Hotel in uh, District 1 in Saigon. This was the end of March and they told me like the day before we're closing the hotel. So I had to find another place. I was lucky enough to find another place and it turned out really good as it usually does. But this was the very first lockdown that we ever had in Saigon. April 1st, I believe, was when it started. There was like a two week lockdown. And I had to hire three motorcycles to take my luggage from this hotel to my other hotel about 800 meters away or a kilometer away. And then I got settled into that hotel. And then I was in the first lockdown, which you went through too. So I was staying at a hotel. We had restrictions. It wasn't like it is now with the curfew. But they said, we don't want you to go out after 8 o'clock at night or something like that. So I was like, that's fine. And we were allowed to go out. To do things for necessities, like get food or groceries or medicine, stuff like that. So it was like, yeah, you can go out to do that, but you got to stay in. So it was okay. I'm not used to this. And then the first few days, you come into the hotel, and whoever was at the desk would take your temperature. And again, a little bit, oh, I'm not used to this, but that's fine. I'll I'll get used to that. That was tough. Then it's nothing like now. I had moved, which is correct. I did move up to Danang. I was there for actually four months. And then, you know, with the visa situation the way it is, I had to come down to the south to uh, renew my visa or extend my visa. So I'm in trong right now. And when I was in Da Nang, it kind of got hit before Saigon. There was very few cases in this last wave in Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City. And... We were getting them again in Da Nang, and I was thinking, oh, this place attracts this because it really is a paradise. I mean, you visited there a couple months back with your girlfriend, and it's a beautiful place. It's one of the nicest cities in Vietnam. It's got this amazing beach. There's beautiful villas there. It drives this demand for people to get there no matter what. So they get all these kind of scams for visas, people getting in there and that. So there's that stuff going on, and then you get more people that are coming in that have covid and then they bring it in so you have all that as well and i was thinking when i was there god you know how does ho chi minh city ever get away with this how do they manage with all these people to not have any big cluster outbreaks that's what i was thinking at the time and then eventually Nang kind of mellowed out and we had an opening again and then that didn't last very long and then it closed again and then it wasn't long after that that i had to leave i had to come down here And then since, yeah, I mean, the Ho Chi Minh City is basically the epicenter of this latest wave in all of Vietnam. And there really isn't any other place right now that is in any better situation, you know, particularly here in Southeast Asia. I mean, Thailand has its troubles. Indonesia is the epicenter of COVID-19 in Southeast Asia. Singapore is on a lockdown again. Malaysia is on a lockdown again. Cambodia has more outbreaks again there really isn't gonna be a place in this region that you're gonna find that's really that much better off. So it it is what it is. And I've heard of some expats that did leave Vietnam and they've gone on to other places like Indonesia. And I mean, it's far worse there right now, but uh, the restrictions are really tough for sure.
0: What I'm interested to know from you is you're also a podcaster. You really rely on being out and about to make your show. And it's really been interesting to see some of your latest shows because you've really chronicled the change as it's happening. You're literally going from walking around these live markets to seeing the caution tape up within days of them getting shut down and seeing how your life went from having a bowl of incredibly delicious something-something To like not having that, that donut that you just had, you can't have that donut anymore. I know. And we are creatures of habit and we're spoiled as shit. Yeah. Even here in Vietnam where on demand is pretty easy, it's actually better. Than in the States.
1: I would say so, yeah. Yeah.
0: We have an incredible delivery network of anything that you could possibly want within about thirty minutes. It makes dominoes look weak. (laughs) So how has your show, your professional life, and just everything about what you normally do your day to day, how has that changed?
1: The thing is, you know, in doing the videos, it's really hard for me, visually, it's impossible to just show the place as if it were a vacation resort, like if you're talking about Da Nang, especially in the middle of lockdowns. I'm still able in a lot of cases to show some of the beauty of the place, which people on my channel over the years have been accustomed to looking for, but at the same time... And not ignoring what's going on right now. It would be very hard for me to do that with my feelings and what I'm going through. And I thought, well, this is really maybe a good time to be able to share this and go a little bit deeper in and share some of these experiences and how I'm reacting to it. And how can you make this work for you? What do you learn from this? Fortunately, I got to Natron. And I started collecting up video clips right away and doing things so that I had a bank of video that I could rely on to put something together, not knowing that we were going to go into a lockdown because actually when I got down here, it was a little more free than back up in Da Nang. They had cafes open here. You could sit outside and have a coffee, whereas Da Nang was still quite locked down. So I was able to get out before all of this and get a bunch of video shot and then I've kind of looked at this okay well how do I feel about this like just showing this stuff all the time I don't like it I want to show the beauty of this place I mean I was here five years ago so I have lots of photographs that I'm going to share in my next video about some of these beautiful sites that I didn't get a chance to see or have been closed since I got back here so I will reflect back on that and show those things as well as currently what's happening so you know yeah it's been a big adjustment in the way I write but I think I'm getting better and I think it's forcing me to do things that I wasn't doing before, which is making me, I think, a better video creator. But the longer these lockdowns drag out, the harder it is. I mean, I don't want to be just making videos from my balcony. I'd like to get out and show some things, but that might be a little bit challenging right now. So we'll see. I mean, during the lockdown in Saigon, I didn't go out much. I just went out to pick up my food or I went for a walk to get some groceries and then I would make a video clip then. But now, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. The podcast is really easy to do. I like to do it outside when I can and go to markets and have those sounds. My listeners love getting that ambience of a market in Vietnam in their headphones. Of course I can't do that right now, but I can go back to all of my content from being in Asia for eight years and finding interviews and clips. So the last couple of episodes I did with my Far East Travels podcast, I went back to Nepal and I played some live stream from three years ago and then I played an interview. And another live stream from six years ago and intertwine that with some tips and things on trekking and then also gave some news updates as to what's happening. I talked to a friend that owns a hotel in Kathmandu the other day, so I got a little bit of an update there. I can always interview people as well. So the podcast is really easy to crank out, but I rely more on the video creation for a lot of things. And uh, you're right. It's getting tougher. So I I really don't know. I'm looking at it now going, well, geez, if we're going to be in lockdown for the next three or six months, how am I going to create videos? So that's a big question. But you know what? It's like anything. You just figure out a way. You had said to me maybe a year ago about how just when you think you have some plans, God laughs at them. You know, I've thought about that line a few times through all of this, and it's so true. The minute you try to sort of come up with this, okay, this is how it's gonna all fall into place, (laughs) you know, something else happens. And we don't have control over all of those external things. We don't. So what do we have control over? Comes right back to where we started here. We have control over how we react.
0: And I hope that this incredible opportunity that's been presented to us is not squandered and that more people wake up to who they really are good luck man and keep making the show and lifting people's spirits we got to lift people
1: up because we love people and we want them to feel better take care of yourself well thanks mark it's always fun and always a pleasure to talk with you
0: The show. I hope you enjoyed it. It was pretty special to have Connor on. We haven't spoken for quite a while, and clearly he has done a lot of work to come up with the information that he came up with for this conversation. 200 books in a year, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. This young man is committed to whatever he does, whether it's teaching or studying or being a boyfriend or traveling to Thailand, whatever it is Connor does, he gives it a thousand percent. He's only 21, so I can't even imagine where he's gonna go from here, but he's leveraging this information for himself, and he's also imparting these words on others in his way when it's appropriate for him. Fascinating that uh, someone of his age has acquired so much usable knowledge and I emphasized usable knowledge. So good on you, Connor. I also want to thank John Sabo for jumping on a call with me. So fun to talk with him anytime, and uh, grateful for him and his wisdom too. Uh, He's also come into information through his adventures in life, and it's really fascinating to bump into like-minded people here, In a land far, far away from Ashland, Oregon, I'm finding a lot of wise people here, like Mr. Hui. Citizen 44 with Mark Ehrensberg is a listener-supported presentation. You can find the show on CastBox, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you really like the show, please feel free to subscribe on CastBox, iTunes, or Stitcher. Much appreciated. Thanks again for listening. Take care find out more about john sabo look him up on youtube or go to his website far East the song at the beginning of each show is called nico beat by robbie lindauer the song departure family at the end of each show is by lucky doug fergus thank you sam zoe and val
1: If whatever you're doing is not working, there's one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you
0: do. What you do. Yes. I am Citizen 44. If you're paying, you're paying attention, attention, to attention to what is going on, on, here, on you will see, see a lot. lot. <laughs>